Hey, this is Kevin from Tame Impala, and this is the LSQ Podcast. I gotta tell you, I have dreamt of having Tame Impala's Kevin Parker as a guest on the LSQ Podcast since, well, before the podcast was even fully a reality, so I'm hella stoked that I got to connect with Kevin over Zoom recently for the conversation in episode 61. Thanks so much for pressing play. And Kevin, honestly, is just one of my favorite artists of his generation, truly a brilliant songwriter and producer and multi-talent, whose love of making music and his own admittedly perfectionist impulses drive him to a creative excellence and mastery that I think is, you know, one of the key reasons why Tame Impala uh, is one of the most important bands of their era. And I've had the pleasure of interviewing Kevin on a number of occasions over the years, but I've always wanted to ask him even more. So I guess I would describe this interview as even more Kevin Parker. Let's get into it. Hello, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to see you. You too. Where, what room is this? Where are you? Uh, this is my studio. This is pretty much where I've been, this is kind of like my like press hub. Yeah. You know, it's where I've been doing um, a lot of these kind of things. This is where I logged into the Grammys. This is oh, where wow. I, um, from kind of this, this position. position. And, yeah. and you've been home for, for a year now, I'm assuming, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Because you and I spoke almost exactly a year ago uh, to talk about the slow rush for yeah. uh, a radio thing, um, and going to see Tame Impala at the Forum would have been one of the last things that I did if I had not. I don't want to say chickened out. That doesn't sound like the right way of putting it. But the fear, no, no. the fear struck me when the NBA canceled threat their season that day. You know, it was like uh, the second yeah. day of the two shows, yeah. and I was like. You know, maybe that's maybe that's my signal. <laughs> I know, I know. It was um, it was a weird vibe, in the, and you know, like obviously with hindsight, everything's a lot kind of clearer. But at the time, it was just like, what do we do? You know? Yeah, nobody knew any better. A couple of my friends who went to one of those two shows were saying how they just sort of were, you know, just kind of maintaining this illusion that like oh we just we didn't touch anything and we were like that's fine we'll be okay and they were okay but uh yeah yeah, it is it definitely seems like a lifetime ago and now Mm -hmm. you're you're in this room that you normally would not have used for this kind of thing because who did this kind of thing before this yeah this room that you're in now normally would be where you go to create yeah yeah um yeah absolutely I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I've still done kind of interviews stuff from here. Like, you know, being from Perth, Australia, um, <laughs> you do a lot of stuff remotely. <laughs> so it wasn't just like, oh, there's a pandemic. Now I'm going to start doing press from my studio. It's like I'm kidding myself with thought. But how so long have you actually lived in, 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 your, current, in your current place? And, and has this room been the room where it, where it goes down? Yeah. Oh, this has been my studio for a few years now. Um, it used to be my house, actually. So this, uh, yeah, we used to live here, um, and I just had all the walls taken out, <laughs> and I moved up the road. So now this is just my studio. So you made it into one big space because yep. that's better to be able to set up your shit. It's better for me, yeah. Like because I work alone, I don't need like a control room and a tracking room and all that kind of stuff. Like there's no, 
there's no use for having separate rooms. There's something about the space, obviously, because uh, you're you've kept it. You know, you could have just been like, "Well, let's move on to a completely new recording and and, and writing zone," but that place must have the vibes or something. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's my studio. It's my it's my um, it's my you know spiritual home. <laughs> it's my it's my mental home. I don't know how to. Um, and how close yeah, is it to I mean, your how close is it to your physical home? It's just down the road. Nice. So this it's is like, it's uh, it's yeah. still morning. It's still morning for you. It's like eleven a.m. where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only just had my morning coffee, so this might be this might take me a little while to. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can if I can pinpoint Get a the moment. Uh, vocabulary. <laughs> gonna pinpoint the moment when the bass drops. Yeah. Uh-huh. You'll know. <laughs> But what what has your what has your sort of average day been like of late in, in this year of not being able to do things the way you normally would? But I'm assuming still wanting to do some creative routines. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like just going to the studio in the morning and leaving at night, it's kind of that part has has been unchanged. Um, you know, because like coming here, that's and just working alone that's something that i did before and the pandemic didn't really stop it because i didn't there's no kind of like social interaction and also in perth we've been really lucky um we've been able to do things you know like we sort of like we're able to do things that required kind of social interaction like you know just filming uh like streamed videos and stuff like that like right things where there's more than one person in the room with you potentially exactly is, yeah right, and then dodgy. um and just recently we've, we've been able to do concerts again so we've um we've done one of those we did two shows a couple of months ago which was wild it's completely wild yeah. like just wild that we were doing it and it was wild to be doing it because it just felt amazing you know <laughs> obviously yeah, I mean, once it got going, it must have just felt sort of exactly the same as it as it as it always does. That's the th- I think that's the thing that's hardest for people to wrap their heads around, myself included. Like going back to doing the stuff, knowing it'll feel the same, and just worrying that it shouldn't feel the same, which is yeah, totally. But you know what I've learned from all this is that like humans are amazing at like one adapting, and also just like getting back to it. Like I remember there was this thing about shaking hands and like hugging because like you know in Fremantle we kind of like hug each other when we greet each other and when the whole thing happened everyone's like oh my god are we ever gonna hug again like as a society or like shake hands or whatever like we they might be done everyone might just be turned off it and I remember as soon as like because in Western Australia we kind of got rid of coronavirus quite early it's like we didn't have any cases and everyone just immediately went back to shaking hands and hugging as soon as it was safe you know it was kind of just this like instinctual thing just for like human connection so i was like oh you know what i think people will just sort of snap back to how they used to do things you know like it might take a bit of time obviously but um yeah are so, you a big yeah. hugger kevin you don't strike me as a big hugger um i guess by default you've got you've got to go yeah. in for something don't you you do you, like in in the, in, a, in a pre-covid world you know you, yeah, you can't yeah. you can't just sort of stand there well, you can, but, you know, people might think you're awkward. So a hug sometimes is kind of just the go-to, you know, especially because it's kind of like, it's not like, um, yeah, 
I don't know. It just feels. Yeah, you can do the one shoulder, the the half-hearted back yeah. thing, you know, and you're like, that's good. It counts. Yeah. I just know you're you're like you're 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 a guy who likes your space, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> I like having space. It doesn't mean I need space. <laughs> Constant. That, that means that it doesn't mean I have like a personal space problem. Have you found though? I know you say you're still sort of doing. You know, you go and you and your routine is kind of unchanged in this past year. Um, but you know, leading up to when you could actually play shows again, were you feeling inspired or productive? I mean, what what had I know you put together the the box set for Inner Speaker yeah. that just came out, yeah. but but what other things? Oh yeah, also you had a baby recently. Had a baby. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Congra- congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, yep. I uh, guess that sort a, of uh, answers the question: what you've been doing. <laughs> a large part of it. Yeah, but you know, like being creative and um doing stuff like that i think we'll always just operate on a different kind of like plane to what i'm doing personally you know obviously like time time spent doing something is you know yeah can conflict but you know like i just feel like it doesn't necessarily they don't have like just because you're busy doing something in your life doesn't mean you're not busy being creative you know that's kind of that's kind of like what i like to think anyway Totally. Some people have have said that, you know, uh, or there's a lot of pressure on artists once quarantine started that like you should get a lot done during this time. And yet it's not necessarily that uh, depending on what's going in your life, not necessarily that inspiring a time. Exactly. If you're truly just trapped at home. Exactly. I mean, like I feel a little bit blessed because I have kind of spent the last 10 years building a way of doing it where I don't have to rely on other people and like being close to other people like I'm really lucky in that way like that's just it I'm fortunate you know but yeah I forgot what the question was <laughs> I mean I guess yeah I guess I just wondered if even you know even uh, apart from you know welcoming your your first baby into mm. the world like have you been feeling inspired lately and, and productive and, and working on new stuff yeah I music mean or just other stuff I kind of like immediately went into um, like trying to, or like sort of just naturally thinking of things that I can be doing or like ways to make the best out of it. I think I'm just like, you know, some people are like, you know, a piece of furniture breaks and like you can either throw it away or make it, make something new out of it. You know, like get the old pieces of wood and make a chair. <laughs> stupidest, yeah. stupidest analogy, but. I, I kind of feel like I had that sort of instinct when it all happened, you know? So it's like, I liked to think that it was kind of just an opportunity to do stuff that I hadn't have thought hadn't thought of doing before, like doing an acoustic performance, you know, something as simple as that, which I would never would have, never would have done just because I don't really consider myself an acoustic artist. But I think like this last year has been the year of like trying stuff and not getting judged for it if it sucks. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and yeah, and in that process have you found that something that you weren't expecting to be fruitful turned out to be fruitful? Uh yeah. Yeah. I mean it, like everything's fruitful in a way. Like everything you do you learn from, you know, which for me is kind of like one of the most important things. It's like learning from experiences. Whether or not you like achieve kind of commercial success or whatever, 
Yeah, I mean, and some of those things, some of those things are just like so subtle or nuanced that it's like it wouldn't even be visible to the naked eye. But as long as you yeah. feel like there's, it's detectable to you, then you're like, no, I know that was that was worth that was worthwhile for reasons that yeah. are not well, like, immediately apparent. Yeah, exactly. And like for example, like I, I made a I made a film clip for myself. I did it in here actually. I had a green screen and set up the camera and just filmed myself. Uh, and and just making stupid um, graphics and stuff out of an old video mixer thing that a friend gave me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of just learnt um, all the kind of... Well, just because I was trying to... E- I had to edit it myself as well, which was kind of funny that I was doing that. Um, but I kind of just learnt a bit of sort of like the terminology and like how they use, how, like how to use video editing software. Cause it's always been like a dark art to me, you know, like someone oh, totally, oh my God, totally. <laughs> you know, like so Photo, Photoshop too. I'm just like, yeah, oh. exactly. It's kind of like, it, that's just kind of just this other region of production that I'm like, I have no idea how that works. I'm just going to leave it to someone else, you know, like go and do your thing. I've never, I've never sort of, um, like I used yeah. iMovie once and I was like, oh, this is. This is but how did it? But hard. now that you've done it, how did it work out? Because I also just get the sense from you that when you are teaching yourself to do something new, yeah, uh, that you you delve into it pretty hard. Oh, I just go in head first. I just start <laughs> clicking stuff. I just start <laughs> clicking stuff and moving stuff around, and like it's an it's a it's an absolute like um, dog's breakfast for the most part of it, but. You know, like I sort of like console myself that that's gonna <laughs> that I, that's gonna have it. It's gonna make a different kind of thing because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but like, what I'm saying is like, if anything came out of that, it's like me being able to, like, I've learnt a couple of little like words and stuff. So now I can communicate to my friend who um, has been shooting a lot of video for us and um, editing stuff. Like now I can actually have a conversation. <laughs> Like yeah, that. Yeah. Whereas before I was yeah. like, oh. How did you first learn to record music? Did, was that completely self-taught? Yeah, same thing. I just was like, it were, well, it was um, it was all the tape with like tape decks just from like a sort of a consumer hi-fi, which I knew how to use because like that's kind of what we listened to when we were kids. Just we had like cassettes of our favorite bands and stuff. So that I knew how to use and kind of just fumbled my way through it but the same thing just went in clicking buttons basically and it's interesting make sense what you're it. what you were saying about like the, the furniture analogy as much as you didn't like that analogy um about utility i remember the first time we met for an interview it was here in la mm-hmm. uh at cafe stella yeah. I believe. and your your mother had sent you a photo of yourself as a little kid with these mason jars that oh, yeah. you had used as like a xylophone, which is definitely an example of like the furniture kind of an analogy in yeah. a way, you know, is that some they weren't being used for that, and, and so you use them for something else, and in that way, figured yeah. out what a xylophone was sure. or something. Yeah, or or maybe not figured out anything, just filled some jars full of water. Um, and had a great time doing it. But uh, <laughs> I guess the word is resourceful. You know, like, yeah. I like to think that I'm resourceful. Um, and just, yeah. I guess I get, a, I get a kick out of it. That's what it is. 
It's just like from, a little from the, a little zap in the brain. You're like, oh, this feels good. I'm making something out of something. I get it when I make a Seinfeld gif, you know? Yeah. Where I get like, I get high for a minute, wow. you know? Yeah. Because I'm just, I'm just so excited about the idea of it and Great. then one, and then the execution of it. Do you get that idea when you're watching a Seinfeld episode and you're like, that could be a gif or is there a situation and you go, that reminds me of a Seinfeld episode. I'm going to make a gif for this situation. <laughs> truly Which, both. Uh, truly <laughs> both. Okay, it happens. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just think of like an inflection or the way that, you know, like Elaine said something, it'll get stuck in my head like a melody or something. And then I have to figure out what was that, what episode that was in and make a gif out of it. Other times I'm watching on the TV and then I'm like, oh shit, now I got to find it on the internet and do the whole series of things to make it a gif. Which probably doesn't take long, I'm guessing. Given how many Seinfeld boffs there are out there. If yeah, no, yourself. I mean, I, I now, now I make artisanal custom gifts because I just, you know, now I've figured out all the different steps oh, to be wow. like, no, I want, I do that, I, I, I yeah. synchronize the, uh, the, the captions to the yeah. mouth movements Bes- and everything. Bespoke. It's, <laughs> it's bespoke. Bespoke gifts. When did you start to feel like either hearing music or making sounds was something special for you? It was always really special. To, it was always... Um, it always kind of like triggered an emotional response in me that nothing else did, you know. Like whether it was um, whether it was something so banal as like the music in Jurassic Park, which was my favorite movie when I was like eight or whatever, um, or like hearing my dad play guitar from the back shed, like on the Sunday before I was due to go back to my mum's house and it made me really sad. You know, like, uh, it always sort of, there were always in this place it was like, it was, you know, it was completely different to anything else and it was just always so kind of powerful no matter what it was. But, you know, like, I was kind of happy just being a, being a receiver of music for a long time. I didn't really, it wasn't until I was kind of like a bit older that I realised that I could make it, you know, what was that? What was the thing that sparked that awareness? Um, well, my brother took up drums, um, and he had a drum. So the my parents bought him a drum kit, and I just thought that was incredible. How old <laughs> so, were you yeah. at that point? I would have been about nine, nine yeah. or ten. I don't know. It's kind of hazy, but um, yeah, yeah. So then you started to play his kit. Yeah. Well, I just sort of saw him playing. I was like, "Wow, that's that's amazing that he can do that." Um, and uh, yeah, just obviously, like immediately wanted to do it myself. Yeah, and um, I think like at that kind of moment, it all just kind of like cascaded. You know, like I was immediately like, "Hey, I'm a drummer. Like music. I'm a I'm a drummer. I'm a musician. Music is my thing." It was like, get lost, Lego, get out, video games, get out, bike. I'm a rock kid. You know, I'd walk around with like my drumsticks hanging out my back pocket. Like, I'm like, this is me. This is me, you know? It was quite a, yeah. I mean, I should be honest, I didn't completely give up on video games and Lego, but, you know, <laughs> or ride my bike. But it definitely kind of, what I'm saying is it just took over my being. 
What was the what was the earliest music you were uh, you know a super fan of? Just grunge, everything rock, Nirvana, Silverchair, Smashing Pumpkins. Um, yeah, just whatever my brothers listened to. Not not just because they were listening to it, but I guess that's what everyone was listening to. Yeah, and also I just loved it too. Like um, me and my friend after school, we just put on. I remember we put on Nevermind. And we just like headbang around the room to it constantly, just the entire afternoon. Oh my gosh. Did there start to, at a certain point when you were a little bit older, did there start to be any kind of a scene that you were adjacent to? Or were there shows that were more kind of modest that, uh, you know, that you and friends went to as you got older? Yeah, but it was much later because this, I was still like 11, 12 when, like at that age. So it like, it was only when I was like 18 that I started to play in, 18 is the drinking age in Australia so you can play that was the one I started to play in bars and become part of the like the Perth local music scene right Um, but from 11 to 18 you were you were still you were focused though you that was a path you thought of yourself as being on oh 100% I'm gonna play a show yeah I'm gonna play a show as soon as I can oh yeah and it was so frustrating because there were no chances to play like there was the high school like music recital which is where like everyone who learns like flute and violin and piano plays the piece they've been taught in like tuition, and I was and for a long time that was like the date on my calendar because I got to play a gig, you know. I'd be waiting for it, and like I knew the music coordinator fucking hated me because I was like, "When's it?" Ha-? Like she was like, "We're not having this fucking rock band play at the recital again." They're like blowing all the parents out of the room because we were just like you know i was living out my rock and roll fantasy at this high school recital you know i didn't care i didn't care that no one wanted to watch because i just felt like a you know i felt on top of the world and there was that and the end of and like the sort of the um the high school like day it's called jdc day it's you know um it's like the, and were the you still fair. playing drums at that point or were you were uh you- no i was playing guitar by then guitar and singing yeah, I mean, and I, you know, and I know that you still nowadays that sometimes it's the drums are the thing that are that are that draw you back in or that can be a starting point. But mm. was it really once you started to become familiar with guitar? I mean, did that did that immediately feel like your instrument, or do you think of, or, or what do you sort of think of as your as your first instrument? Um, yeah, it did. I took up guitar pretty soon after when I when I moved to live with my dad. He had guitars all over the house. So I kind of just like, it was kind of inevitable, you know. Um, and also, like, I could play guitar along to my favorite songs much more, much easier than the drums. The drums was hard because you hit them really hard and then you not hear the song and then you stop playing and you're like, nowhere near <laughs> the same part of the song. <laughs> so, guitar was like, I'd look up tabs on the internet and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm playing. I'm playing the song. That's it. That's the song. Which like, and so, yeah, which led to, and I was writing my own songs at that time as well, but they were just kind of like, like I started writing songs on guitar long before I knew how to play anything on guitar. Um, okay. It was kind of just sort of like, like literally just using one hand, you know? Um, I, tr- I tried to start a band at, in year seven and like my, like, it's literally like just finding people to be in a band with me. And they were like, yeah, okay, Kevin, sure. And they'd play my songs and they'd all laugh because I'm only using one hand. <laughs> you know? 
here's my song goes down 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 you know that's just like the open strings anyway and they're like oh my god this is a joke were you stoked though on those early songs or just stoked that you were doing it that you could do it and that you were doing it i'm curious also as sort of a follow-up to that is like when you when your more kind of perfectionistic impulses kind of started to take over like at what point the just beginner's mind and excitement about just like wow i can do this i can make this gif i can play this guitar i can write a song on you know with one hand when did that start to turn into uh, more discipline and, and more wanting to like really hone your skill set i mean i immediately loved uh making something out of it like i don't know it's kind of weird um because i was always i'm always i've always been hard on myself always but there's something about uh looking back at what you've done or listening to what i've just done that's kind of just like a really magical experience um yeah and i don't it's like it's weird because like saying it out loud it sounds like like, oh my God, I'm so great. Look at what I've done. But it's none of that at all. It's actually nothing to do with that. It's just that, like, there was nothing and now there's something, you know? And I'm still like that. Like, I can listen back to something that I've just recorded a thousand times and not get bored and just still be, like, amazed at it. Um, And again, like, it's n- not on, like, an ego level it's really it's really hard to describe and that's well it's like a joy it's a joy level it's, it's not a joy level yeah exactly yeah. um so even when i was yeah and i, I guess i kind of had knew that it. One you was, knew it right away that there was a joy in that for you yeah definitely yeah definitely and it wasn't even sort of about like knowing knowing that it was a joy like the you know it was kind of just like i just it was like an impulse i just i had to keep doing it um but yeah, I mean, I I knew that it sounded nothing like all the songs that I loved, and I, so I always wanted to get it sounding. And I and of course, like like along with that came ambition. Like I wanted to be a rock star as soon as I knew about Silverchair and Nirvana, especially Silverchair because they were like a similar age to me. Well, they were only they were like they were teenagers, you know. Yeah. Um, which I guess is like like total to- topic change, but it's like. I realize now why that's why representation is important in like music and art and and, and entertainment and stuff culture, like, yeah. in culture yeah um because i was like hey i can do that you know like they're like me they're kids from australia so yeah that was that like just recently i realized that actually yeah if you don't if you don't see it you don't know that you can do it totally totally and it was obviously unlikely unlikely that i'd ever reach a point that they did but I was convinced that I would. <laughs> and convinced. here we are, and and yet and yet here we are. I know, when I you, know, but it's it's no. so it's so like kind of like it's a silly comparison, obviously. Because on the it, one like hand, everyone but... would have been saying that. Everyone like me would have been like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a bit rich for me to say like, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> right, but when you're when you're the thing that makes you go back and and fine tune something you're making, the thing that makes you remix the thing or remap, you know. Um, is it what is what is the goal that is it getting it closer to what what are you what are you striving for when you're 
improving upon the thing that only you have heard so far? You've got that joy in having made it, but it can be better. Um, getting back to that feeling that you had when you just started making it because nothing ever compares to that. From the moment you sort of make it, let's say, or like create it or get it started, you're you're forever chasing the dragon. You're chasing the dragon of fulfillment of like writing a song or, you know, like you <laughs> like from then on, you'll only like I'll only sort of love the song less. But you know, so sort of like perfecting it is an attempt to try and get back there, try and feel the same way again, which sounds depressing, but it's not because otherwise it, it, it'd never get ready. It, it'd never be complete, you know, um, and you'd never be able well, yeah, to release and, and, it. And if you overestimated the other part of the transaction, if you overestimated how the impact it's going to have on another person, you know, rather than just pursuing your path where you're like, I'm just chasing that feeling. And if other people like it for the same reason, that's cool. You know, yeah. that's that's how it stays pure. I mean, I as you know, it's a facile analogy to say I, I'm usually disappointed in my Seinfeld gif when it's finished. Oh, no, but, but no, but that's part of it. That's part of it. <laughs> I'm like, I synced it up perfectly. Is it not synced perfectly? Maybe let me just do it again. And then I'm like, no, it's because. Yeah, I was just that it was the unexecuted version of it that was that was so felt so exciting. Yeah, the potential of it, the potential, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing that's so kind of like intoxicating about you know um, doing something creative is that like when you're listening back to it or looking at it, and no one else has heard it, the potential is infinite because you're the only one that's heard it. There's no sort of like voice of reason telling you like eh, it's not one of your best. You know, because right. in that moment, it's your best. It's better than anything that's ever been done before. You know, um, but then how do you keep your how do you keep your vision clear if you're going by your barometer, right? Of what's your best work and what's not the best you. You know, because so you don't get too distracted by that initial good feeling, and you can call bullshit on yourself and be like, maybe it wasn't that good an idea. Um, I guess the short answer is your vision isn't clear, but that's okay. You know, your vision is always like cloud. It's always too optimistic. It's very rarely <laughs> accurate, which is fine. You know, you just have you just have to yeah see it through. And of course, like when you finish it and play it to people, then that it kind of it it joins the song becomes part of reality. The, the music by other artists that you tend to absorb, you know, absorb in, in a deep and meaningful way, it, does it evoke similar feelings in you from from music you're working on? You know, are you looking for a similar feeling from the music you love as you're looking for from the music you're writing? Yeah. At least early on, that was the kind of the idea is to, like, have have a moment have moments with my music that equal the moments that I have with music that I love. But like, I have to admit, it's kind of like diverged um, since I started becoming one of those artists. Or since I became one of those artists. It's suddenly like, not suddenly, but just slowly. It's kind of like, for me, listening to music now is different to making it it's a different kind of like value yeah 
but I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all um and also because like i never used to compare myself to artists and i guess now i do mm. i don't know but again comparison is okay like competition is okay yeah. Well, also because other artists can be inspiring, right? I mean, oh, even totally. artists who are artists who are making music that that isn't even your thing, that it doesn't even push your buttons, but that you're still impressed by and like motivated. Oh, totally. To do better. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like I'm on. A, I I firmly believe that y- you can learn from music that you hate, <laughs> or like you know, you, there's always something to learn from something even if you think it's awful yeah i mean it's just the thing that like admiring music that admiring music without actually liking it yeah. or without it being part of your taste totally which is just like i know what stuff pushes my buttons but also there's a it's not ever it's a tiny fraction of things you know that push my buttons yeah and then there's all the other stuff that i admire the fuck out of mm-hmm. i don't even know i don't even know what it is you know yeah. it's awesome and i don't know what it is and i may never listen to it again yeah. but i can love it while i'm listening to you know what i mean like totally. i can love an album and only listen to it once totally um because i'm just like it's not for me but it's brilliant yeah yeah exactly exactly do you consume much? Do you are you much of a sort of like I have to listen to the song the songs on the charts or the song interest all the important albums in a year or how much of how voracious are you with with new and old music? Uh for a little while there I kind of made a try to make a habit of listening to all the like most popular music like I you know um, a few, a couple of years ago, I kind of really wanted to be like a pop producer. Well, I wanted to work on a lot more pop. And so I kind of like, um, studiously listened to the top 40, like every day in my car or whatever. Um, and then at one point I was just like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is trash. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I mean, really like what, yeah, what, it, what lessons did you learn from that? from that era and and is that not something that you that still appeals to you the same way or um well i just learned that you don't have to like all of it yeah. you know you don't have to go like oh yeah this song is popular therefore it's a great pop song because it it achieved what it was set out to do you don't have to think that you're allowed to, you're allowed to, you're allowed to think stuff is trash like i sort of like i had sort of coached myself into never saying that a pop song is trash you know and i I still i I don't like to say anything's trash um or bad or 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 corny or whatever um but you don't have to like it Um, yeah and i mean unequivocally some of the songs that make it into the top 40 are corny as hell (laughs) and a minimum you know and corny can some of the best stuff is corny also um, exactly. But it's interesting to think about, like, because you're so fully embodied in your work, you do everything. It's all, mm-hmm. it's all you. And then the opportunities arise to collaborate with other artists mm-hmm. or to be truly behind the scenes and 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 write or produce for another artist. And I'm curious, yeah, in 2021, how are you feeling about that style, that kind of collaboration, and and how you approach it differently from a song? Does it have to feel different than a song for you? I'm feeling really good about it. I'm really kind of excited about getting back into that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, kind of finishing the slow rush was something that I just feel like I felt like I needed to do before I moved on and 
um, did more collaborating, more songwriting, more writing my own. So, yeah, that was kind of just something that was kind of like itching to get started on, and then and then coronavirus happened, and well, that's not an excuse really at all, but lots of stuff up, lots of other stuff happened. Yeah, yeah. Because were you true? I mean, but you were, were, did you reject, like the teenage you who was into silver chair and stuff, were you like, fuck pop music? Like, did you reject that kind of yeah, mainstream? Yeah, of, of course. Which really, which really just, like, it did nothing but damage. You know, like, having those kind of like walls up and, and having a rule book about what you can and can't like. Um, but, you know, that was part of the, part of the existence of it of like grunge and alternative music like it it was a reaction to pop music so it probably wouldn't have existed if that mentality didn't arise you were you were we were both you know born into a world uh a different world of genre than than now and like learning to appreciate music as a teenager when you know when you were growing up it's like there there were lines like that i feel like the young people nowadays who have strong tastes it's not as you know, there's much more open borders between yeah. genres for artists now to include each other and start collaborating sooner and yeah. actually benefit from it rather than benefit from, like, insisting you're in this other category. That's it. That's it. Which is also fun, you know? Like, it creates a dynamic. But, yeah, yeah. That said, I always loved pop music, even if it was kind of, like, before and after I loved grunge um just a little disclaimer there i mean pop and, and pop is in the eye of the beholder i mean i i listened to an interview you did where you talked about worrying initially that it feels like we only go backwards was too pop or whatever <laughs> you know and and it's like I, you know in retrospect it's like well yeah that's because it was a great it's because it's a great tune mm-hmm. and you were like a, it's like it was so good that you were like worried that it was too you know too pop is like the, is it Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. The song. <laughs> well, I guess I was kind of a lot more afraid of afraid of judgment back then. Um that was on my mind a lot more. Like being approved by the indie world, by the by the by the world of intellectual music listeners. Uh which again, it's one of those things you're like, "Oh, why did I spend why did I spend so much energy worrying about that?" But it is what it is, you know. Everyone, every artist goes through that or is is affected by that. Yeah. So as you so as you get ready to be at the, you know, now really re-enter the fray of of, uh, of playing shows and touring, and I know that y'all are going to be, you know, knock, knock wood or other surface here, uh, here in North America doing mm-hmm. some of the big festivals yep. in the second half of the year, if it all sticks. And, and, and is there, is the plan to do that tour that was going to happen? Will, will a full scale headlining tour happen at some point? Um, hundred percent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If all things permit, I mean, like my manager reminds me that, you know, we're going to be going out into a post COVID world, you know, whatever that means. Um. Yeah, it, it it'll be it'll be a bit different, maybe for a while. But again, I'm kind of into making the best of a good a, a, a weird situation, you know. Like, yeah, if it is, yeah, if it that, is a bit of, different. It's that, it's that busted chair. It's that busted chair. Yeah. You're gonna. Yeah, yeah. That's just trying what I was trying, <laughs> trying, trying to get at. 
I didn't want to reference myself. It's like what I was saying earlier about a busted chair. Bringing it back around. Yeah. <laughs> Will you, I mean, are you going to do the show that you were going to do? I mean, or is it, it, does this inspire a kind of a reimagining of what the of what the headlining show will be? Um, yeah, I mean, 100% I want to. Um, I don't think there's any reason to think that we won't be able to do that. Um, yeah. Other than everything I was just talking about. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I'm dedicated. Yeah. Like, we, 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 um, oh, I can't remember. We got paid something stupid for Coachella and we spent every dime of it doing the show. So we didn't make yeah. any money from that. So, and I'm, I'm willing to do it all again. <laughs> yes. Sorry, boys. We're not making any, any money from this one either. We're going home empty handed. <laughs> But it'll be a fucking stellar show. That's it. That's it. We'll, we'll change some lives. We'll melt some faces. Please do keep me posted. And yep. thank you so much for connecting to do this. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Of course. Well, thanks again to Kevin Parker for that awesome conversation. And thank you again for listening to episode 61 of LSQ. Um, if you have questions or feedback, you can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at JennyLSQ. And consider subscribing if you're not doing that already. The next episode, out in a few weeks, features more of kind of like a roundtable-style conversation with previous LSQ guests Tegan and Sarah and Lily from the up-and-coming Chicago band Beach Bunny. And there's also an episode with the producer Pooh Bear a little farther into the summer. Um, so yeah, looking forward to both of those and more. I'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Did I say Perfect. that in a real podcast tone? You did. I feel you like I channeled nice. every podcast I've ever listened to.